You are listening to the Amodamar podcast. In this series, Amoda explores her essential teaching through conversation and excerpts from interviews and events. To find out more about events and to sign up for her newsletter, go to www.amodamar.com. Please subscribe, comment and share if this podcast moves you. And if you feel called to donate, please go to the website. Thanks for listening and we hope you enjoy. Welcome back. It's been a while. Welcome back to the Modamar podcast. My name is Kavi, as you know, and uh, today we are delighted to have a special guest with us all the way from Chicago, uh, David Elsie. Welcome, David. Thank you. It's a real pleasure to be with you both. Thank you. Hi, David. And uh, Amoda, how are you? I'm very good. Thank you. Good. Okay. So today we're going to dive into a juicy subject that is tentatively titled The Relationship Between Art, Stillness, and Awakened Consciousness. We are going to largely improvise this conversation. Um, it, it, it's, we, we've known David for, well, I've known David, David didn't know me, but he, he David and Amoda met in the, at the science and non-duality conference, I think one or two years running. And that was, would have been in about 2016, I think, 2015, 2016, something, some past date somewhere. And there was a synergy then. So we're going to carry on that synergy. Both of these two uh, are rooted in what could be called non-dual consciousness, awakened consciousness, uh, stillness and silence, and speak and do their respective art forms, which we'll come to in a second, from that deepest place. So the conversation is relevant to expression from the deepest. Um, Let me just talk talk, uh, a little bit about David. When we actually sent David this uh, this subject, art, stillness, and awakened consciousness, he replied, "It could not be more perfect." My experience on stage for a career, including studying mime with a Kabbalistic mystic, initiated my study and exploration of emptiness and fullness in my teens, as a foundation for being on stage and in every moment forward of this amazing existence. David is a coach, a speaker, mime artist, storyteller, author, and all of these aspects, all of these doingness in doingnesses are steeped in the non-dual realization. Amoda, of course, we know very well. So I think I've laid out some of the ground a bit clumsily, but some of the ground is laid out there. I do want to discuss stillness at some point as the foundation for all of this activity in the world. But I think if it's okay with you, Amoda, we're going to start by kind of handing it over to David to talk a little bit about how you started, how mime fitted in with your kind of movements or the kick-started something, where it's got to then and what you do. When you ask about when it began, you mentioned my teens before. And and when I was 14, I had a sense of the cosmos. I looked into the stars one night and I just felt presence. I felt something that could not be named and began to write prose to it saying, I don't know you. I don't know who you are or what you are, but give me more clues. And so it's been an essential component of my curiosity about existence for a long time. And then I learned of a mime when I was 17, a teacher of Kabbalistic trainings, mysticism, and which I would venture to say was essentially the exploration of the invisible becoming visible through the artist on an empty stage. And by that, it means all things. The wind being, learning to be the wind, to be a leaf, to be the tree, to be the person chopping down the tree and the bird flying by in order for me as a performer, as an artist to be all those things, I have to be empty. Because if I'm holding on to any sense of, oh, I'm a man, how am I going to be a tree? 
and I'm limited. And so my teacher, uh, Samuel Avatol, I want to pay respects to him and mention him. He's still around and still, in fact, I spoke to him a couple of days ago because I'm sensing a deeper experience of existence still. And uh, he was an integral part of when I began this journey of embodying on stage and therefore equally in life this mystery of the invisible becoming visible. So I called him and said, Samuel, I'm having some new discoveries. And he's a little man from Morocco. And uh, he has this accent. He talks like Francis almost. But uh, so we had a beautiful conversation. And I'm, I guess I'm trying to bring this back around to complete for you that mime became something for me for about 25 years professionally on stages and in events. And I was at the United Nations peace event down in Costa Rica and at Hiroshima on an anniversary of the dropping of the bomb. And I brought my mime into the world. Um, so it was an integral part of expressing my heart and peace and um, has remained. And uh, even when I'm teaching or talking about how the mind creates something illusory that limits us, it's like something that seems very solid, right? It's very real and we defend it. We say, yeah, but over here, my dad yelled at me. And, you know, we defend this nothingness that we're holding up. And this work about awakening isn't a an orange robe on a mountaintop for me. It's awakening to how we're holding ourselves in illusory thinking to limit us. And when we put it down, we're free. Or we're free even around that which appears to be a limit. So mine became just an integral uh, translation into all that I do, both as a coach or teaching or writing. So it's still integrated in my life, but I'm not professionally that anymore. Wow. <laughs> Was that just, I must ask, do, where, where, was that the resolution at that early age of self-consciousness? I, I don't think that happened until I was about 28. <clears throat> I was in a silent retreat with Michael Beckwith. Um, I studied with him for about 10 years as well as a practitioner and stuff of science of mind and, and uh, oh, yeah. awakened consciousness. And we were on a silent retreat, and I remember going through a meditation, and suddenly it felt like, you know, the mind will create images to make sense of this. And it felt like there was a dropping uh, on stage. You have the trap door. And inside me, I felt like I fell through into both the cosmos and nothing. And I still felt the body existed, but it wasn't me. And there was just this kind of realization of I was actually that which I observed when I was 14 years old. That presence, awareness, that cosmic, that was actually what I am. So that was the, and trying to answer your question here, that was when that realization that I am that which seemed mysterious, I am also an expression of that. And that was at age 28. Wow. And did that, did that change? Even, even did that deepen even more did that change you know your expression the depth for your expression well it's funny i'm answering both as a performer at that time because i was performing that was my profession was acting and and performing on stage and in tv and film and stuff so the only way that i can say is it cha that it changed was the way that i would have to explain this is those glimpses at 14 and 28 sort of were putting roots into the soil of my being, of my soul, that there's something here that's mysterious and unbound. So knowing that was what was happening while I was living daily life, you know, having crushes, having my heart broken, um, just hoping I got the next job. I was living daily, regular life, um, not a profoundly awakened person, just profoundly awake to the mystery that permeated all of this and not understanding it yet. So that continues to deepen still today. It's a progressive sense of, um, yes, it's a, it's an alive an, yeah. an alive movement. It's not a dead thing, obviously. Yeah. I, I would only venture to clarify that it's not that that progressive is actually the only reality. It's progressively deepening in what I know to be without depth, right? Without. Yeah distance yeah beautiful thank you for, for a wonderful introduction uh, amazing beautiful to 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 hear that that story you know 
beautiful. Amoda, where does this where does this land in you? How does this relate to 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 what you know, to what your experience is, both as uh, as a, as I mean, I know you very well, and I know uh, speaking. You know, when you started speaking in in uh, in satsangs in meetings from a place of the deepest stillness you had no notes in the, you know you there was no script that's a you know satsang is it is actually the ultimate one of the ultimate improvisations in that sense because you know because of the silence within but also your writing you know the 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 place that your writing comes from is 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 being talked about here so where does all this land in you Hmm. Well, if I can backtrack a little bit, um, the, the the thing that struck me when when you were speaking, David, was you, you you spoke about the sort of experience again, like you said, the mind puts pictures and descriptions on it. The, the experience isn't actually that, but you spoke about the trapdoor and kind of falling through it into into what the the infinite void, or yeah, maybe I'm putting words onto it now, but that that struck me as um resonant with my experience um of awakening where i fell into the void i i merged with the void of being with the in, in infinite um and and i sort of and i disappeared into that uh, and that was the if i if you like the portal or the the blip, I call it in consciousness, that that changed everything. And and so that was very resonant. Um and then it filters into the everyday and and then filtered into the expression of satsang and and writing in my case. Um but satsang when I when I started to speak in public some time afterwards was so radically different to what I was trained to do uh, as a as an academic, which was uh, learn, read, right. write, and teach from knowledge. <laughs> that yeah, was it. Yeah. 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 So I I had come from that background years before it, it had sort of imploded, but uh, I still had a tendency to that, and especially in uh speaking uh and even writing to some degree not quite as much of a de- uh, you know to that extent but I, I still brought the need to to have a format the need to have something fixed the need to have a structure and a template yeah partly for my own safety and partly you know that's what i'd been trained to 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 do um and then satsang many years later there was nothing not a single shred of knowledge to stand on no language no words now i didn't have a teacher i wasn't around a teacher i i had some period of time in osho's what i call osho's frequency field but i didn't have a direct teacher i certainly didn't have a non-dual teacher so i didn't actually have any of the languaging uh, any of the pointers, none of that. So I was really in the unknown. <laughs> and so when I first started speaking and, and actually the early days in sand was part of that, mm-hmm. um, it was so like just falling. Every word was falling. Every word arose out of not knowing and silence. I, I didn't actually know where it was going. So it was, it was sort of, I, I would say it was, seemingly ungrounded but i'd fallen into the groundless anyway yeah. so <laughs> on one level there was a you know on a human level there was like an oh <laughs> a kind of discomfort and then on another level there was a total trust in that so that really changed uh things for me in terms of expression in terms of speaking in public and in terms of writing as well my the, my, my writing changed too when you say change, that change, do you mean the realization that it feels like it's nothing, but actually you began to trust it on some level? Or when you say it changed your writing? It, 
me out of the way. Mm. It was like I wasn't there. Um, yeah. So it's, and there's no, there's no, there's actually no struggle with it. There's no effort in it. There's no, nobody here trying to get it right or trying to mm. pull on some, yeah. you know, bag of knowledge that I might have carried with me or, or knowing, of course it, it must filter in through that. Yeah. It filters in through the vehicle and it's knowing, but it's, it's from a whole other dimension within. So it's actually a very, I, I experience it as a divine dance, a divine communion. Mm. Have, have, have you, have you, um, See, well, as you're talking, you both, one of the things that strikes me is you've, you've both, and this is essential to, to, to everything that's being talked about, to become either comfortable with the, with, with the unknown, with leading, with, 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 and that doesn't just come instantly in my experience. Actually, that has to be learned because, you know, we, we, we were talking earlier about the, the, the self wants to reconstitute you know and 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 so in in you know what you're talking about david and what you're talking about moda is is largely being with other people as well and it's one thing improvising on one's own but actually to be on a stage or in a group of a lot of people and and then to still be able to honor or keep falling or lead from the unknown is a is is a a thing, huh? If I may jump in, the, um, the there's a, a small reframing, and yet I think a profound reframing of what you're proposing, um, Kavi, is that it, it's it's less um, needing to do anything, and it's a disappearance of the me that was doing anything. Yeah. And the appearance then is consciousness or unbound potentiality, like when you said a minute ago. Amoda, when you said um, it was like the, nothing, the feeling, the human feeling was there's I'm I'm in nothing, and by that the the beautiful irony was the same with me on stage as a mime was because of the nothingness I therefore have everything available, mm-hmm. and that's a very different feeling for us on an egoic level where we're used to all our fixed ideas of self and identity and roles we play and and so um, Kavi the the thing is that for me what's really clear to me and in the techniques that I use to support people in the Sedona method processes of letting go or welcoming or seeing through. Um, the idea is all that we need to do is see through or let go of that, which is the illusory self. And that, which is the full self is revealed. And I mean, on a human level, you know, it's not an esoteric abstraction I'm talking about. So I get to teach more from there. Um, in fact, at one of the conferences, the SAND conferences, I remember maybe maybe my last one before before COVID and all that. I remember being at home, and usually when I'm at home preparing for SAND, I, I'm writing because I would be on stage performing something or teaching something. And in the main hall, I remember this this one year, I usually get ideas at home when my eyes are still closed and I'm waking up. I just make space, and oftentimes I'll get the idea for what needs to happen. Or the topic. But on this year, I'd got nothing. I was at home and I've done this long enough to trust. And I thought, well, I'll get it, you know, maybe on the plane. And nothing came. And then I got to the hotel. And maybe you guys know Sergio Baroni. Um, he's a dear friend. And we were rooming. And I said, Sergio, I have no clue what I'm going to do tomorrow. He said, You'll know. It's like, I guess, okay. And I woke up the next morning and I still didn't know the day of the performance. And I thought, wow, how interesting. I'm supposed to not know, and I'm going to do this with them. So I got on stage, and I said, so I'm going to give you all a 15-minute performance, and I don't know what I'm going to do. Are you ready for this? And I did a 15-minute performance, and I asked Ron, who was the tech. um, Yeah, we know Ron. Yeah. Yeah. So Ron, you know, I, I went up to him, and I did say, Give me three three minutes of music. Actually, play three pieces of music for like three seconds. I'm going to pick one of them, and then play it when I choose to perform. And I'll improvise movement into a story, and that'll be what will happen. 
So he gave me a piece of music. I said, that one. And I improvised, but I started by telling everyone, I, I really have no clue what we're about to do together. And I loved it. And it's this quality of trust that in the emptiness of the stage, everything is there. So my body had to be capable also embodying that belief system or that knowingness to allow it to move into whatever it was going, like it's doing its own thing right now. I don't know where this comes here. So now there's a bird, but I didn't plan to do a bird today for you. So what I do know is the the the, the vehicle is well-trained. So that is useful for me because yes, I trust yes. it. Yes. But in terms of what informs it, that is a joy for me not to know. It's yes. like mutual discovery in each moment. Yes. Yeah. I, I I I have that experience writing and speaking as well in in public. I don't prepare anything. In fact, the less the more empty and not knowing I am, like you say, the more um feels like there's an intelligence that informs the yeah. moment and um it becomes a very beautiful experience. It's not stressful, it's not um self-conscious, it's not anything. And so whether it's writing or that, uh, and I used to experience that dancing when I used to dance. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, yeah, I think that's it. You know, Kavi, in the title that you both decided on, stillness is one of the words. And to me, what we're talking about, Amoda, is there's a stillness in the not knowing. And that's what the emptiness is. It's it's a it's an absence of mind and fear and and identity. And so the stillness is very sweet in the not knowing if there's a comfort with it. it. For me, that's where the stillness is, is it's it's that out of which the rest comes. Yes. And 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 if if um if the 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 the, the veil of knowledge-based mind as our identity has come undone, then there's no discomfort in the silence, right. in, exactly. in the stillness. There's only discomfort in the, in the not knowing and the stillness if there's still an identity with that. And therefore that, that becomes the, almost the impediment that makes it or the boundary that makes it uncomfortable. But if it's not there, then it's not uncomfortable. There's no discomfort. Like you say, it's very sweet. It's very, yeah, it's very sweet. <laughs> if you had Catherine Ingram on, I'm sure you, she's talked about these qualities of, of awakening. And for me, sweetness is one of the qualities. Because even Samuel, I still get teary-eyed when I think about him, because he was the first one to see me, to really see inside me. And and he had this fierceness about him, but but he had this glimmer in his eye. And he was, he was looking in my eye, he said, David, no, don't do it, just do it. You know, and, <laughs> and, and he'd be mad at me, but he was like, you know what I'm talking about. You know, do it. You know, it was before I knew that I knew. Um, but he saw it, and I knew that he saw this in me before I did it, but I knew that he knew before I knew. So it was like I was awake to know that, even though I, I went to my apartment and cried because he had yelled at me. And uh, the veterans of his, his his students came in and said, oh, David, he loves you. That's why he's mad at you. Like, okay, I guess that's okay. <laughs> you know, because I was still a young uh, impressionable someone, but yeah. Mm. And do you find that it's the same not knowing is the same stillness that informs your work as a, as a coach or as a speaker or these other roles that you may have (laughs) yes absolutely interestingly the parallel to my body being trained as a mime and feeling safe walking on stage without knowing what i'm going to do but i'm bringing my vehicle and i know that it's very capable of 
unveiling something because it's done it for many years. Um, the same as a coach or teacher or sharing of information is I, I've done this for a long, long time. So I pretty much know that I can, number one, um, and that the less that I'm here, the more those techniques and tools and gifts that I'm imbued with, you know, just as attributes of this personality, they'll do what they need to do. So yes. it's like the same vehicle of the body performing the same vehicle of this persona will do what it needs to do. The less I'm trying to control from an identity of teacher, coach, or mm. guide. So it's the same emptiness. It just is, I call it a different storefront. You know, yeah. But I still have a sense inside of the quiet generally. Mm. Okay. Well, <clears throat> where can we push this now? Where can we, Allow this, I mean, allow this to, to deepen. One thing that came up for me as you were speaking, um, Amoda, is where we're t- what we're talking about to me begs the question of when we're not feeling the stillness and the emptiness and the absence of a limited sense of a me, when we are called because I think of our, I think of this as a calling, a spiritual calling. We there's a calling inside, which is the essence of truth. It's just calling the persona to remember, or you know, calling itself, calling it out, like come home. There's work that has to be done on some level, and in satsang or teaching or coaching, I think of the role, the highest role, if you will, of an important teacher, coach, or whatever is the one that helps process the one who's in the the parts of us that are still illusory that we're believing in, you know, students or coaching or ourselves. Like, how do we do that? It's an intriguing, I'd like to just open the floor to you. Um, In satsang, there's mostly, in in my witnessing or my experience, the teacher or the guide or the whoever's speaking in the meeting um, is helping unravel the mind and body, the mind-body experience to a deeper understanding. Um, and that's what I kind of think is on the table, because a lot of people bow to the guru as if they have the power to do something, the power to fix. And I, I don't know, this is why I'm enjoying our conversation, it feels like maybe you and I are on a similar understanding that we don't have the power to do that, but we are in a position of guiding to see through the veil of limited self-identity. And that I have tools like the Sedona method or self-inquiry or breath work, um, sometimes movement. These are all realms that I explore uncovering mm-hmm. through. So that's I'm just putting it on the table because that feels like the next step for how do we get to that sense of trust, the emptiness, the, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah, it's... Uh... Good question, and I don't know the yeah. <laughs> I don't know the answer though. So let's see what comes. I, I, I absolutely, yeah, I'm with you. That I I don't think there there is a sort of transmission of any, you know, power or energy that uh, that can fix anyone or undo them or any of that business. So I certainly don't take up that attitude or role, um, and. And for me, having 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 a lot of skills, which I seem somewhere in the distant past, like breath work and so on, I think all of that is very valuable. For me, that's all fallen away. Um, not just for me personally, but in in the work I do, I, I don't have anything. I don't have a bag of tools to mm-hmm. to um, to draw on, and and maybe they would be valuable at times. But it doesn't seem to be the way that the unknown intelligence wants to move in this. Yeah. It just doesn't. It doesn't move in that direction. Um, I I honestly don't know what it is that supports and guides people in the work that I do. Something must because they come back and come back. <laughs> um, I I think it's, a, if I have to kind of, you know, say it's something, I, I, I think it's 
God, it's so unspeakable. I yeah. think it's a clear reflection somehow, not just in words, but including words, but in the energy field that seems to reflect back yeah. where the veils are. Yeah, yeah. It, there's clear seeing here. It's not tainted by the self. And in that, it can reflect back to another, that which is not limited by identity, not limited by narratives in, in the other. How that happens, I really don't know. And then what, what that actually means in, in plain language is a kind of pointing, a, kind, a sort of spontaneous dialogue emerges. And there are those who, it's almost like their energy field kind of gets it and something opens or something relaxes or something softens or something comes home. And there's those who aren't quite ready for it. So there might be a dance on a semantic or mm. more uh, conceptual level. Right. And then we have to kind of <laughs> play with that for a while until there's a readiness to to drop. That's really the only way I can describe it. So it's not based on anything. It's not, I don't have any skills. I don't have any method. I don't have any method of self-inquiry. I don't have any method of pointing. It just sort of arises in that way. It's glorious. It's glorious. It's beautiful because what it, what it says to me, not what you said, but but the the difference is, is that fundamentally we're both moved by the beauty of truth, the beauty of the truth of who we are, life, what life is, this unwordable reality. And so you and I, in a sense, or any teacher, um, are simply uh, moved with whatever is their way. And and that's just, I, I grew up, my path included ways that just seemed to wiggle into relationship with students and coaching clients. And so it, that's what's there. Um, I don't think they are the things that do what we're talking about. It's the energy behind them that. Yes. Yeah. So that's yes. where, where we're not different. And yet the modes are, are unique, yes. to, just like they should be, you know. Yes. Yes to, yes. to reach the many different people that yeah. are listening for the bell. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, you. there was never any plan here to um to to offer satsang or to speak in any public way or be a spiritual teacher. There was never any plan. There was never any uh path of that. Um and so I, I didn't accumulate any skills <laughs> along the way. I mean, obviously I did because like it has to come through this vehicle. The skills are what I learned on the way or what I unlearned or what I picked up and what I put down on my, my own journey. But there wasn't any uh, conscious intention. Um, and so it, it, it sort of emerged, emerged by itself quite surprisingly <laughs> and then yeah. seems to have a life of its own and i i'd like to ask both of you then because we you know you're both relatively kind of mature on the path yeah and they've both been doing teaching on in in, the, in some way for really well, quite a I long would, time i would only fight the the word mature too much because i think we're both sort of childlike in our inner nature and i'm just being playful with you kavi we can act mature but i think we're both I, I certainly have a deep childlike nature. Yeah, I was not disputing that. I'm talking about the maturity of the of 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 the of over time. There's been a deepening. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that yeah. Come, does come with time. It doesn't just happen in a, in a in a moment. Something happens in a moment, but the 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 wine ripens or the grape. Yeah, then it becomes more juicy over time. And I think you've both got that. That's kind of what I'm speaking to. And so 
you know, my, my kind of question is, is there, David, you alluded to something almost that there's still something new happening within something deeper. And so the the question is for both of you in a way is, you know, you, you don't teach from a fixed place. It's not fixed in that sense. Is there, is there still ripening taking place or is the fruit ripe? There is no fruit. <laughs> Don't get all zen with me. <laughs> there isn't. <laughs> it's fallen. Uh, but is, is, so you understand the nature of the question. Is, the, is, is, is this it? Or is there, is there a, an ever expanding? The universe is ever expanding. You are the universe. Are you ever expanding? Well, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a paradoxical question. That's like, do we have free will? Well, the we that supposedly is separate from the universe doesn't exist. So to I as an individual, it appears a certain way. But the absolute understanding is that I am the entire universe. So whatever's happening, that's my as the universe is. So I have free will, yes, but I as the universe as David. It's very subtle, but it's different than I, David, separate from the universe. So to me, it's a very subtle understanding. So by the same token, your question, is there a deepening? I asked Francis that once because after one of his talks, I had a, you know, the moments where, I don't know if you know, but I'm imagining you do. There's moments where you just don't exist. There's still talking going on, but there's a sense, a glimpse of nothing speaking. And I had one of those experiences hearing Francis and I walked up to him afterwards. I said, Francis, what's going on? Because I've had this before. And does it ever stabilize? You know, does it ever? And he said, Oh, David. He said, You're in a you're in a dynamic form, body. So dynamic life is what happens. So it feels like it's changing or deepening or glimpses. Or, and that will all happen as long as you're in the dynamic form of the body. It's not absolute, but it appears to be the changing forms. So as long as you're in a body, you likely have that kind of experience, which means hold on to nothing and just watch. And it doesn't have a meaning to it. Like, oh, yes, yes, awake yes. Or, yeah. So deepening, <clears throat> what I like to say is there is no deepening because there's no separate me. However, the appearance of that is enjoying living that way. So there's a deeper sense of love or a deeper, a more disappearance of the veils, even the neurophysiological veils that are trained in over time, you know, they disappear in terms of my identification with them or the, the identification with them. So the deepening is, is less going deep and more like revealing of that, mm -hmm. which has always been. Mm -hmm. That's how I would verbalize it. Yeah. Beautiful. Okay. Yeah. Mm. Amoda? May I? Yeah. I'll add something. Uh, not sure if it's, just another way of saying that or something completely different. My, my, my experience is, if, if you asked me, is it deepening? My spontaneous response is no. There's no... <laughs> I can't find that place. I can't find the honest, yes, it's deepening. Deepening into what? And deepening as what? I'm not saying that it's static. I'm not saying there's a dest, you know, an arrival point. I'm not saying it's fixed, not at all. But somehow, and I know that, and you know, Kavi, that in our teaching or my teaching, we spoke, speak about the deep all the time. We point to the deep. We speak about the deep. We talk about the deepening of, of, of awakened realization. So I'm not throwing that out. But I can't find that in my experience. What I can find, and maybe it's just the way this unique individuation is, is experiencing <laughs> itself in the totality, is that the, the something that's changing the something that is maturing, the something that is 
even evolving, I could say, or maybe expanding, is actually on a worldly level, not on a consciousness level. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's like it's it's almost like it's gone the the inflow, the inner movement into the nothing in which is everything. It, it, it's, it seems to have gone as far as it can go when nothing and, it, and everything has been realized. <laughs> then I don't mean realized, but, you know, energetically, viscerally realized. Where else is there to go? But now it seems to be flowing outwards. Not that there is an out, but <laughs> using language to describe the worldly interaction it seems to be flowing out into the world. And that means there's a kind of growth, maturation, um, expansion, evolution on a human interacting with the world level. And that is definitely changing or there's a sense of that moving. Does that well, is that is that is that um is that you see that's i know, i know you well and i know the, your your history your history has been one of 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 not really in many ways dealing with the world yeah you've been you know been inside you were mute for a long time you you know the whole thing has been a very inner journey and so in the la- you know the second half of your life you've you've you know this has started happening to you to move more into the world and uh, that's the where it's 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 kind of that that you're talking about yes it's a very individualized and, experience yes i think that's just unique to this not not unique i'm sure others experience it but that's how this one is is experiencing it and and that that movement into the world or growth or evolution or whatever we want to call it or or, or deepening that's informed if you like by the by that which has been realized very yeah. naturally whereas yeah. there could be growth or evolution on a on a worldly level um but it's not informed by that. <laughs> It'd be mm-hmm. informed by identity. <laughs> right. and, and this isn't. So it's that's very new. That's a whole new dimension, which I don't think has uh, completed itself, if it can ever complete itself. But I feel that that, for me at least, is is what is what is moving now, what is evolving, what is growing. Uh, growing isn't the right word, but <laughs> expanding. Does that what, uh, David? So what? So so does what's? How does that land with you? Because, I, <clears throat> in a way, you know, a mode a mode is a, a sort of quixotic kind of person. In a way, it was a very dysfunctional life that she lived for a very long time. Hence the, you know, kind of schism in a way between her as a as a as a as a personality then and the world so this now what you're saying emoda in a way is that that the relationship with the world is now coming you're able to come into the world from a deeper place deeper place meaning from that awakened consciousness place whereas before it was on a whole different level it was dysfunctional you were dysfunctional it was dysfunctional so has that has that happened with you david well, first, first, I'm not sure that it's any different. I think that the human journey is the exact same for everyone. It's just in the sense that we are the absolute, incredible, mysterious, cosmically intelligent essence of being that is spinning the stars and keeping my cells in place so I don't fall into a blob of cells. And there's some unnameable. You know, throughout the ages, the wisdom traditions are careful to name it because it limits it, right? The, there's this permeating presence that looks like all of us. And all eight, almost 8 billion human people, beings, to me, are on the same journey of being that and yearning to know that, yearning to be out of the suffering of the limitations of the normal human training into limitation. And that's family, cultural, societal, national, and global. 
media. We have training to feel limited. And I'm not creating a blame or a enemy. I'm just saying that because we're permeated, the, the atmosphere is permeated with limitation and perceptions of limitation. There's something wrong with us, principles, or I'm in, incomplete until I get the shampoo, you know, for heaven's sake or whatever, that all humans long for the freedom, which is their essential nature on some level. And so whether it's a modus journey of um, what she's been through that you were just sharing and, and coming out more freely without the sense of the limitations of their past, it's the same for me. I had my own story. I could tell you it's not the same story, mm-hmm. but it's the same story of coming being limited by my own journeys. My mother used to slam cabinet doors in other rooms because she was mad, but I was the most adored person in her life. She loved me. And I am who I am partially because of that love. But she was angry. And so I, as a boy, concluded I'd done something wrong to create that anger in the woman who was the source of my life. You know, I came through her. So she was angry. I must be responsible. So many of my relationships in my life carried that pattern of feeling I should be accused of something. And so I would find people that were accusatory. Mm -hmm. My belief system was I've done something wrong. So I had to walk through my own journey of dropping patterns to not feel guilty and be grounded in myself without apology or shame. And that's a learning. I think we're all, all humans on some level. And I, and when I say all humans, I know it's different. I mean, you can have tribal tribal relationships, which are very different, where people are supported by the tribe, or I realize that. But in contemporary life, yeah, yeah, we have a lot of that. So I think I do have the same kind of trajectory as Amoda in the sense of the essence of that journey of remembering a deeper sense of who I am um, and learning to express that more fully through whatever I do. Mm. Just a different appearance of the story. You know? mm. I just think on, on, on a on a on a in the traditional sense it's um the 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 inward journey which we might call the the coming home or the deepening into the realization of true nature happens in the second half of life yeah there's mm. worldly accumulation experience you know getting your hands dirty in the world in the marketplace and then there's the inward journey on a traditional trajectory and then perhaps there's much more of a uh, perhaps a falling away of 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 worldly concerns yeah now, I don't think that's relevant anymore in our culture, in our contemporary culture. But it's like, for me, it's like flipped. It's almost the other way. <laughs> the inner was the, not completely, but it seemed to be so inner. And then it's become quite mm. outer in comparison. And, and that sort of seems to be almost not what's expected here. Yeah? as as a spiritual seeker and as a spiritual teacher it's almost like one's expected to um in the conventional view to 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 not be in the world and there's no more growth there's no more evolution there's no more maturation in that and 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 that's obviously not not the whole story <laughs> well no. Sorry, I don't think it is the whole story, too. I'm right with you. I think it's a mistake, actually, in the spiritual teaching realm to say that go inward and not be in the world. You know, I think the the differentiation between it's sort of beautiful what you shared in terms of your life, because you were so you were inward, but you were inward with whatever pain you Mm, were struggling with. And in the processing of that, as it began to drop away through whatever blessed lifetime you've been living, um, you began to feel more cap- more available for being seen or whatever and expressing mm-hmm. outward. And I think that's the mistake of a lot of spirituality is the concept. Or let me just say it's, I don't know if it's a mistake. It could be, but I think it's more a misunderstanding that mm-hmm. I need to only be on a mountaintop, you yes. know. 
Yes. That's true spirituality now to me more and more and more is the dif- the the the, the dis- diminishment of the veil. It's it's what you were saying. I want to say this to you, Moda. When you speak, I'm really appreciative of your earnest uh, simplicity because uh, it's really beautiful. And when you talk about there's no grape ripening on the vine anymore, that's ultimately the truth that I feel I know. And there's nothing here except consciousness looking like me with glasses you know that's actually what it feels like is true so when i address your question kavi it's sort of like on the relative level or on the appearing level or as you said emoda on the human level there is this journey but what is really moving my heart so much these days and i will say often to tears i'm a very sentimental guy um, is this feeling of the realization that the journey is okay, but it's held in the mother's arms of the always welcoming absolute. And when we begin to realize that, it's really a deep experience, rather than trying not to have a journey and trying to be the transcendent. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. Very and that's very, very much your experience, Kavi, or your expression, isn't it? Yeah, very. That's it's, the yeah, human yeah. journey. Yeah, something extraordinary has happened to me just in the last two or three years, I would say, of a, of a, of a, of a profound acceptance of a profound love, really, of the journey. And with, with, with all of its, you know, and with everything involved in it and all of the struggles that I've been through in my life to, to come to a place where actually I, I'm, the capacity to open and 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 accept it all, and uh, and be in the world as well, and not retreat. That's what I mean about what I said earlier about the the juiciness of these conversations, because I know that the pe- that people out there, people who are seeking, people who are struggling, you know, to 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 Im- or, or or imagining that you have to be one way, and that the human is some the human experience is somehow diminished or unacceptable in the spiritual seeking is, is, is falling away now. And there are so many teachers, there are so many teachings and we're in the West, you know, and, and the mind is seeking, you know, the searching, 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 and people need to, to, to see how it's modeled in the modern world. That's where you guys, that's where this is. Yeah. How is it modeled? Not modeled in some, manufactured way but actually un the unmanufactured way where does it how does it show up when you when you're doing this how does it show up when you're doing that how does it show up as you said david it's a dynamic experience the human experience and that doesn't that that's you know that that's, there's an idea that that dynamism disappears completely and the dynamic life is gone and it's just that's just not true, but the relationship to it has changed fundamentally, right? Mm. Yeah, you know, um, one teacher that I also knew, Lester Levinson, who created the Sedona Method, used it. The techniques were just created because he needed to give the mind something to do. Yes, his essential teaching was: you are an un- you are unlimited beingness. That's it. Um, but if you feel limited, then why don't you do these things? But ultimately, he he said. Um, Oh, I just lost my thought for a second. Kavi, you just said, oh, yeah. He said, um, you do techniques until the one doing the techniques is also let go of or seen through. And so until that feels like the truth, we we live, you know, we live dynamically. But when you said it will never stop, it's a funny thought because I don't I don't even know whether I can claim that or not, because in the full realization that I am only unlimited in reality, unlimited reality, it might stop. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> I, I only share from my, you know, my perspective and also my compassion because people come to me who are all on some kind of spiritual path. I have such compassion because the pains that I've heard, you know, I counted mm-hmm. hours once and it's seven to 10,000 hours of coaching by now. And it's the same story. I know. Yeah. Something yeah, I, wrong I, about me. Yeah. The, the, honestly, the work that I do, I do one to one with people and, uh, I was, it's, it's 
uh, exactly what you said. Amazing. The same thing, the same pattern. Well, there are different, tiny different version of the same pattern that's showing up again and again and again and again. And that has an impact. It has, it has had an impact on me. Yeah. Really. So in, in, in winding up, I think I, I want to throw out one question and I'll answer it however you want. <clears throat> it's all right. It's not too bad. Is there an art of life? Or is there an art to life? <laughs> the only thing that comes to mind or comes to, to, to words is the art is to be in the world, but not of it. Mm. To experience everything, which is what we're talking about, to experience everything, to have no limit on what can be experienced as part of the human journey, because the spiritual seeker does have an idea of what should be experienced and what shouldn't be experienced when you've awakened. Um, but to have no limit on that, to be totally in the world to be totally human, to feel, experience everything. And it's unknown. We don't know in the next year, in the next day, what we might experience. We don't know. Uh, we actually don't know what death is like until we experience that. We don't know when we lose a loved one because we might not have lost one yet and so on and so on. And yet to not to, to not be of the world, to not derive our, our, our identity of that, that to me is is... It's a kind of art from the deepest, from the realization, from self-realization. That's not really an art. That's how it's lived, at least in my experience. It's the deepest knowing. It's it's yeah. But I think there's an there's an art of that that can almost be practiced when there hasn't been, let's say, freedom from the, you know, from identity, but one's on the path, then you can practice being in the world and not of it. And I think that is an art that can be practiced moment to moment in every experience. And that's where I think sometimes um, the spiritual seeker gets a little almost blinded by their own beliefs because they think they don't have to uh, do isn't the right word, but they don't have to navigate or surf that, that they can just wait for awakening to take place mm -hmm. by mm -hmm. some mythical special moment. But actually there is an art to practicing that. And that does start to undo the, undo the identity and allow us to be in the world, but not limited by our identity of our derived from our experience. We can have experience. We, we can experience, we don't have experience, but we experience, but we're not that. So there's a great freedom. <laughs> Beautiful. So for me, the the idea, the 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 pivotal question is is how we define the word art. For me, and my heart, right? Art is always some quality of expression on some level. Painting, whatever mode or medium. And so if art is expression, you choose the art form, then life definitely has an art to it. But more than that, life is art, meaning it's an expression of the absolute, of, of the... For me, love has been more profoundly feeling like what the truth is. And by love... You know, we have to be conscious of word usage. Um, but mm. to me, love means the the source of all is appearingly creating. And this is an incredible art piece called the universe. And so I'm a I'm a paint. I'm a color. I'm a and then within me are, are multiple colors and trillions of cells coloring and creating fragrance and tones and hues and so i am an art piece as well and how life transforms through me into existence if we look at in and out then that's also art so the question then becomes yes absolutely all is art my life is art 
the question for me becomes what is what is painting my life what is it that's painting my life from as we talk about identities you know limitations perceptions repetitions of old patterns or this sense of the unknown that paints very differently than my fear and my fixture and my physical body shape based on protecting because of history and when i'm letting that go my body is just so that's why i loved mine because since a boy i love expressing through the form mm-hmm. i've always been fascinated i was there's 29 bones here so i'm moving 58 bones simultaneously you know just that is miraculous to me so to master that and then create on stage and then create in life I ideally am being inspired by the source of all art to live my life as an artistic piece. Wow, beautiful. When I realized back in those days when I was doing uh, the guitar stuff for, for Amoda's dance workshops, and, I, and I, it was, there was a, a necessity for me to improvise for 40 minutes with a percussion player, and I was on the guitar. And every strategy that I ever had, <laughs> every every riff, every twelve bar, every no lick, <laughs> they they were all there, like you said, because I'd learned them prior prior to that. But when I really, you know, and it would it only worked. The energy connection only worked when I was absolutely empty, and I just stayed in that emptiness, actually, no matter how difficult, because in the early days it would be difficult because I was just, you know, it was very uncomfortable for me. And then I realized that it had nothing to do with me. (laughs) And I was like kind of set free on a certain level that it was just something was, was happening, you know, and I was, I was the vehicle, if you like, for that something happening. And that changed changed me so you know that was one of my experiences of the of of the art really you know in a way to culminate in a way is the art the art and the freedom of not knowing you know it's a people think it's going to be something to fear but actually it's great liberation Mm. yeah absolutely yeah Yeah. i also hear the the mystical tradition in your voice, in your <clears throat> eloquence, in your descriptiveness, I hear the Rumi esqueness. I hear, I hear that because I also devoured Rumi for mm. about three years and uh, had no idea what it was. And I just kept. <clears throat> I describe it actually as eating Rumi. That that mm. and uh, and and eventually it just sort of osmotically something came. You know, it 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 right, it, it, oh, really changed fundamentally changed me, and that's referring to what you're talking about as the the flute through which God would play, and God and the flute and the music as well. All of those kind of elements, which is very much a kind of Sufi esque sort of way of 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 talking it. You know, so I hear that very much rooted in what you do, and I honor that because that's beautiful. That is. Very beautiful. It's my kind of language as well. <laughs> okay, I th- uh, I think any any closing closing words. I just want to say thank you. I uh, I bow to how life wanted this to happen as us, and uh, I don't mean that to be abstract and esoteric. I I really these things happen thinking that we did them and and knowing on another level, just what really wanted to happen. So I know in my heart, I loved being with you all. So thank Mm. you for the invitation. Thank you. Thank you, David. Beautiful. Yes. Mm. Thank you, David, for for joining us and jumping on in this uh, exploration. Amoda, always thank you for your wisdom and, and, and depth (laughs) and, and some grace and dignity and integrity. Uh, That's, that's part of what this, this is all about. Um, Thank you very much for listening, everyone. Uh, We'll see you again. Um, Take care. Goodbye.